Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is your co-host, Nick. Uh, joining us tonight from Slow Death Games is Chris Kohler. I did say that right, yeah? Yes, you did. Hi. Yeah. Thanks Thanks for having me. Awesome. Uh, he has a game, and Tim's here. I just am not going to announce him for a while. But uh, <laughs> he has a game that I've been painting up. You've probably seen it. It's called Wild in the Streets. And it's an awesome little gang fighting game. All right, so yeah, uh, since Tim, you know, like two seconds before he hit the record button, said Nick introduced this. Tim, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I gave you the uh, reins to do this. You didn't even list what episode number it was. We never say what episode number it is. Did you even count? Do you know what episode number it is? Yeah, it's 26. Do you know why you know that? Because the last one was 25. Because you had to ask me what the last one was, and I had to tell that you. That is besides the point. You're about to lose your talking privileges again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Chris, how are you doing tonight, man? Uh, doing really well. Thank you. Awesome. So, unfortunately, I have not had a chance to try out Wild in the Streets yet. Uh, as most of the listeners have known, for the past like three weeks, I've been pretty balls deep into getting stuff ready for a Kings of War event. So Nick is actually going to be the expert on this one a little bit. However, I was extremely interested in this game after seeing it on uh, Gorilla Miniatures Games by uh, Ash Barker. Um, I am a huge fan of the Warriors. The game very much reminded me of that, and being an old goth industrial punk kid, this, this was right up my alley. Yeah. I, am, I am waiting for the faction that comes out looking like the Warriors. I'll, I'll be honest. Well... There's not going to be a faction that looks like the Warriors, unfortunately. Because um, all the miniatures are based on people I know, and I don't know anybody that looks like that. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, plus the, you know, the factions are, minus the murder cult girls, are all based on real-world people and real-world subcultures. You know, like the, the goths, the crust punks, the straight-edge guys, the, the skinheads. It's all... Uh, Basically, you know, kids who are involved in, in whatever, you know, alternative subculture. Um, and like I said, all the miniatures are based on people I know. So every one of those miniatures is either a friend or a friend of a friend that uh, posed for one of the miniatures. Nice. So you've got friends from all over alt culture when it comes time to that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, and this is something also that I've been involved in for a long, long time. Um, I've been going to punk and hardcore shows... Uh, since about 1983 or so. Nice. Uh, so it, it's definitely something that that I'm a part of uh, and something I'm involved in. Because um, a lot of times when you see miniatures or a game that has somebody that's you know a punk or a skinhead or a goth, it's always this weird caricature that looks like something that's in Mad Max and not really like what you'd see you know if you went to a real punk show or you know hung out with with goths at a club. Right, or they always look like the fucking crow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, so let's, let's you know, before we talk about the game, let's talk a little bit about that, just because, you know, I kind of come from that scene a little bit. You definitely come from that scene. Let's kind of feel folks in on, like, the, you know, punk in the straight-edge club scene and stuff like that, because it really gives a good backdrop to what you were trying to portray. Sure, sure. Um, so... Um, although the game is not really set in any specific time period, it kind of takes uh, like youth counterculture from about the late 60s until now, uh, mostly focusing on stuff from 80s and 90s, I would say. Um, but there's some stuff back, you know, like some of the skinheads are based on like late 60s kind of skinheads. Um, so, uh, yeah, how to how to respond to to what you want? Um, it's an open-ended I, question. However, yeah, the hell you want. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so I would say, you know, I mean, the game is basically just kids fighting in the streets. That's all it is. Uh, <clears throat> but I wanted to base it on somewhat of a real-world situation. Um, I wanted to feel like it could be it could take place in any town, any any place. Like, you know, it could be. Kids in uh, Southern California could be kids in New York, could be kids in Minneapolis, could be kids anywhere, um, you know, or you know, kids in the UK, kids, kids wherever. Um, 
so each of the each of the gangs is going to have what I consider to be part of those subcultures. So it's like, for example, the skinheads. Um, you know, some of the skinheads are going to look like Spirit of '69 kind of skinheads. Some are going to look like more modern skinheads. Uh, with the the straight edge guys, uh, some of them are going to look like you know early '80s straight edge guys. Some are going to look like more modern uh, straight edge guys. Same thing with the punks and everyone else. Cool, cool. So, tell us a little bit about how you kind of got involved in these cultures. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't remember. I I remember the first time I went to a show. Uh, no, well, here let's backtrack a little bit. The first time I ever heard uh, any anything that was you know punk or hardcore related music wise was a friend's sister was playing uh, music. And I heard stuff, and I was like, oh, my God, I, I love all of this. It's like nothing I've ever heard before. So she made me a mixtape, and I listened to that thing obsessively um, and then you know, started uh, searching out all the bands, looking for records on my own, and then uh, started going to shows, um, got involved with people who were you know, putting on the shows, playing in bands, putting out records, putting out fanzines, all that stuff. And it just took over my life pretty much. So so nice. for the you know past 30 something years that's that's pretty much what I've been doing going going to punk shows, going to hardcore shows. Uh, for a short period of time I put out some records that no one cared about. Uh, played in bands that nobody's cared about. Um, have friends who've you know played in bands, gone on tours with bands, all that stuff. So so I I feel like I've got you know, a good uh, a good handle on that stuff. So, and that's pretty much what I know. Those, you know, that's me. That's my friends. That's the people I hang out with. So, that's the kind of game I want to make. I want to make the kind of game that that we can play and uh, feel like we're a part of. Nice, nice. So, how did you go about coming up with? Uh, I mean, obviously, we know the concept comes from your youth and you know the the countercultures you were involved in. But what made you decide to take that and say, I want to play. I want to make it a game. Uh. That's uh, pretty interesting. Um, so I've been playing uh, miniature games and role-playing games with the same group of people for uh, probably 20 years, if not longer. Um, some, you know, some of them maybe even longer than that. Um, and we've always played, you know, we've played D&D, we played Call of Cthulhu, we played, uh, you know, tons of role-playing games, played tons of miniature games, and we played a lot of Warhammer Fantasy Um that, and well, we played a lot of 40k too back in the uh, Road Trader days, but not so much after that. Um, but Warhammer Fantasy was the game that we always played a lot of. And about two, three years ago, uh, we were playing in my garage uh, at least once a week, if not twice a week. So we were playing a lot, a lot of miniature games. Um, and from there, we. Uh, we were talking about other games we wanted to play, and we were looking at other things. And I had a bunch of uh, six-millimeter fantasy miniatures that I was trying to figure out something I could do with. Um, so we started making up a game uh, to play them with, and it ended up the game was not that great, um, and it ended up just basically being like a tiny version of Warhammer Fantasy. Um, so instead of doing that, we, we were looking at some other stuff uh, that we could do, and we thought about... Uh, making a game where it could be us fighting against something, whether it was fighting against monsters or maybe like a modern-day Call of Cthulhu or something like that. And it eventually morphed into uh, us fighting in the streets. Um, so me and my friends and friends of friends. And we made uh, cardboard stands for miniatures and started messing around with it and... The ideas developed slowly, but uh, we eventually had a workable game. And so we were playing that in my garage for a while with just you know cardboard counters and uh, uh, cardboard buildings. And it was a lot of fun. And we thought, well, what if we made some miniatures to do this? Because it can't be too expensive. So we looked at the idea of making miniatures just for ourselves. Um, and I got uh, some of them sculpted. And then I started telling some other people about the game, um, most specifically the guys who uh, run the Corehammer site. Uh, they have a, or they're Corehammer.com. They also have a Corehammer um, 
uh, Facebook group. It's basically uh, punk and hardcore kids that play miniature games and, and role-playing games, kind of like a, a subculture within a subculture. Um, and those guys were super excited about it. So I thought, well, if my friends like it and these guys like it, maybe there's more people that'll like it. So uh, eventually developed into a full game and made miniatures and uh, I thought I'd run a Kickstarter to see if people were interested enough to play and uh, luckily they were. So that's where we're at now. Um, did the Kickstarter. I was really stoked that so many people were interested. Um, got a lot of good comments from people uh, like yourself who said, hey, this is something that I used to be into or I'm still into and I like the idea. Um, and uh, it's it's going from there. Yeah, the uh, the only reason I'm still not into the whole goth counter counterculture is because of the fact that you know wearing a lot of black and wearing a lot of leather in Atlanta is one of the worst possible things you could do when it comes down to the weather. Yeah, I'd imagine. I'd imagine it's it's either I, miserably hot or miserably cold there. Yeah, I'd just be dead. That's all there is to yeah. it. Like yeah. I'm a pretty tough guy, but I'd just be dead. And it would eventually get to me. Yeah, and it's not necessarily uh, you know what you look like or. Or whatever. I mean, because there's a lot of people who say like, "Oh yeah, you know, I, I still, I still listen to music. I still go to the shows. Blah blah blah." I mean, it's it's really it's not about appearance. It's it's about attitude. Yeah, absolutely. So, you started developing the game, and uh, how many how many iterations of rules did you go through? I know you said you started kind of like with this weird Warhammer six millimeter game. How long did it finally take you to come to the finished product that we have now? Um, about a year, about a year of, of, of playing it. Um, and I would say within the first three months, it was pretty much done. And then the rest of the time was, uh, refining it and, um, uh, making changes to stats, making changes to the cards, uh, planning out what the future gangs are going to be, that kind of stuff. Nice, nice. So... Mechanically, how long did it take you to like refine the mechanics? Was it also within that year period, or did that take you a little bit longer and a lot more trial and error? No, no, it was within that year period. Um, and the game is really, really simple. I mean, it's it's the whole uh, the the quick start rules fit on a half sheet of paper, um, so it's it's pretty simple. Um, and part of the reason I made it that simple is because I love simple games. I love to be able to just pick up a game throw miniatures on the table, play, finish a game, and then start a second game in the same night. Um, and also, I want people who uh, haven't played miniature games before to be able to jump in and play. Um, we have a pretty pretty big group of people that, that play here. I mean, it's not like everybody plays every weekend, um, but there's, there's a good group of people that uh, you know they show up at, you know, when they can, once every month, once every two months, or once every week, or whatever. Um, and a lot of those people have never played a miniatures game before, uh, and they're really stoked on it. Because I've, that's one thing that I've, I've noticed with people, like, you know, I'd meet people at shows, and they'd say, like, oh, yeah, I really want to play D&D or Warhammer, but I don't know who he plays, or I don't know how to get started. Um, you know, and so I've made the game accessible for people like that, that I know that want to play games, but haven't necessarily had a chance to play. Nice, nice. So let's talk a little bit about Wild in the Streets, and we'll kind of we'll we'll go into some of the factions. We'll go into the the gameplay and some of the mechanics because uh, a lot of people that listen to the podcast like to know more about your games. So, like, let, let's start with like what size board does it use? How much terrain? Um, things of that nature. Okay, so. Uh... If you've got just two, uh, you know, if you're playing against your friend, you know, and you've just got the two starter gangs, which is three miniatures per side, uh, I recommend doing a three by three board um, and put tons and tons of terrain down as, as much as you can. Make it look like a city, make it look like, you know, a park or you know wherever you think people would would get into a fight. Um, so, but once you start adding some more miniatures or you move into three or four player games. It plays better on a 4x4 four four board, and again, with tons of terrain. Nice, nice. So let's let's talk a little bit about the factions themselves. Right now, which factions do you have? Uh, there are uh, Straight Edge, Crust Punks, Skinheads, Murder Call Girls, uh, and Goths. Okay. 
And is there certain uh, cross culture that can uh, kind of blend together to make a bigger crew? Yeah, yeah. There's a there's an allies chart uh, that I actually haven't uh, well put out yet. Um, <laughs> that people will be able to um, add gangs or add people to their gangs. Basically, it'll allow you to say like, okay, the for example, the goths and the skinheads can work together. So you can have a skinhead gang, and you can take one goth personality figure and then a bunch of goth, uh, you know, people uh, to add, you know, because it's not really units, but, you know, goth, you know, a bunch of cards worth of goths that you can take. So you can make a bigger gang. Um, and the game actually uh, addresses that by uh, when you... When you do things like uh, gang up on people to fight, you get bonuses, but you can't get a bonus if someone's not in your gang. So if you've got a you know a bunch of skinhead or one skinhead surrounding and a bunch of goths surrounding a guy, the skinhead doesn't get bonuses for the goths, and the goths don't get bonuses for the skinheads. So even though they fight in the same gang together, they don't get the the benefits. Gotcha. So it, it does have its ability to expand and kind of yeah uh, yeah cross with gangs. They just not going to get full benefit of like saying being a member of the goths. Correct, correct. Um, and uh, I also plan to expand all of the uh, gangs. Like the, the, the current five gangs will, will be getting expanded. I want to do... Um, my goal is to do uh, at least one release a month uh, starting in September. So every, every month will be one, whether it's a single personality figure or uh, you know, a group of figures. Like, uh, for example, like the, the skinheads have the, the skinheads, which is two models that... that uh, they go together. So the skinheads will get uh, another release, which will be, and their next release is going to be the fresh cuts, which are going to be young skinheads. So they'll be weaker, um, but you'll get more of them. Gotcha. Okay, cool. So you mentioned a little bit about multiplayer games. How does that go about working compared to the standard two-player game? Do the rules change at all? No, rules don't change. Rules are the same whether you have two players or or, uh, four players. And actually... We've uh, we've experimented and we've done some six-player games, and it plays pretty well with six players. Um, you just have to limit the amount of cards that you bring. <laughs> Sorry, you said six-player games, and the the first thought that came to me was uh, Anchorman and the the big battle, the big showdown between all the news crews. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's that's one of the the things. Um, like if you look at like that, or you look at you know any gang fight movie or or whatever, you know, the, the exciting part of, the, of that is when they're meeting up to fight, you know. Um, and for, for Wild in the Streets, uh, just to uh, go on a tangent here, um, the way the setup works, the initial setup, is you can set up your miniatures any place you want on the board. There's no deployment zones, there's no unit coherency, there's none of that. Because I want to simulate uh, that it's either a gang fight that's in progress or it's just about to start. Because the thing that I don't really enjoy about games is staring at my opponent across the table for three turns while we kind of maneuver our way into a fight. I want to jump right into the fight. And so I guess Anchorman is a good example of that because, you know, that scene where they fight, it's not like they stare at each other for 20 minutes. It's, it goes right away. You know, they jump in and start fighting right away. Right, and then you have Steve Carell pull out a hand grenade. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's actually one of the interesting mechanics in Wild in the Streets not necessarily a hand grenade, but there are different cards you can pull that can change the dynamic of what is going on. Yeah, the event cards. And that's the thing that actually changed the most during development. Uh, those event cards changed probably, uh, like every month we would change the way we, that we were doing them, just throwing out ideas and seeing what would work, what wouldn't work. Um, and one of the initial things for the event cards, is being, because the event cards are random, was that whoever pulled the event card got to use it. Um, but that made it um, not as fun, because people would hang on to the event cards until there was almost nothing left in the deck, and so they can guarantee that they would get it. Um, so we modified that. So now the way the event cards work is um, whoever puts the event card in the deck gets to use it, but not until the event card comes up. So sometimes you won't get to use the event card because it, it'll come up after it's useful um, or it'll just come up and you'll never be able to use it. Like, uh, for example, one of the cards is Homemade Speed. Um, 
and that allows you to shrug off a wound, and you may not take a wound that turn, so you may never get to use it. Right. So uh, we should rewind a little bit now that we were talking about drawing the event cards out and kind of explain how how those cards feature in, you know, and, and why you would be drawing event cards. Uh, sure, sure. So uh, the event cards cost points. I um, mean, you buy them the same way you would buy uh, models for your game. So, and most of the event cards are, you know, five or ten points, which is significantly less than buying a model. And the reason for that is because it's so random and you may not get to use it, if you pay five points to maybe do something, you're not going to feel so bad. But if you paid 20 points, you'd, you'd think, like, well, I could have bought, you know, two more goths for my gang for 20 points and had gotten better use of them. So, so the event cards are there for uh, to make the game a little more chaotic and a little more interesting. Right. So, so one of the mechanics of the game is that you have all of your, your characters and you lay them out, but they have a duplicate card, a stat card, that gets, at the beginning of the turn, they all get put and shuffled into, everyone's cards get shuffled into a deck. And you draw a, you know, whoever's turn it is draws a card. And yeah, yeah, so, so you take all of the cards. Um, for, so there's a, um, you know, a card for the leader. There's um, a card, for, like, if we use a skinhead gang, as an example, uh, there's a card for Don. Uh, there's a card for skinheads, which gives you two skinheads for the card. Uh, and there's a card for Maggie. Um, so you take those, and if you're, say, playing against the, um, the Goths, the Goth player would have a card for Dave, the leader, uh, a card for the Death Rockers, which is two, um, two miniatures, and then a card for the Goths, which is three miniatures. And so you would shuffle those all together, and you would turn them over one at a time, and that's when things activate. And when that card activates, all the models who are attached to that card activate. So, for example, the Goths card, there's three Goths. So that card gets flipped, all three of them do whatever they're going to do. Right. Gotcha. So and, it creates its own initiative. Yeah, yeah. So you have to plan ahead. Like, I hope this card comes up, but if it doesn't, here's my alternate plan of what I'm going to do. You know, and it also it also makes it so that it's not the alter. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Alternating, you go, I go. It's it is random, and the event cards get mixed in there. So you may or may not pull the event card at an opportune time. Correct, correct. You know, because, uh, and that, you know, to me and to the people I play with and pretty much everybody that's played, they like that, you know, because you you have to plan, but your plans may not work. Um, so even though, uh, again, going back to the homemade speed card, even though that homemade speed card comes up, you may not get a wound that turn, so that, might get, that card might get thrown away because you didn't get to use it. Um, or you could... Uh, take a wound, and then then pull the homemade speed card, and you can't shrug that wound off because you've already taken it before you got the card. Um, so, and I, I've noticed that there is, with there's new players who mostly have never played miniature games before, love the event cards and just throw them in every turn. Um, people who are more experienced uh, gamers tend to be more conservative with their event cards, uh, for the first couple of games, thinking, like, i got to hang on to this because it's, you know, I, I need to use it at the right time, and they don't really think, like, well, it could it could come up or it could not come up. And they end up hanging onto the cards the entire game and never using them. And then about the third or fourth game, they go, okay, I understand now. Just throw the cards in when you think that you'll be able to use them and use them. Don't hang on to them thinking, i got to hang on to them because, you know, for whatever reason. Um, oh, and the event cards are one use only, so... Uh, once you've thrown it into the deck, it gets pulled, it gets used or not used. It can't be used again in the game. Which makes sense because that kind of gives it the flavor. Even a, you know, even though it's a game mechanic, it gives it the flavor of feeling like a chaotic gang fight. You don't know who's pulling what at any time to get the jump on you. Yeah, yeah, and and there's no there's no event cards that really break the game. Um, there's a couple that uh, didn't get put into the Kickstarter um, that nullify somebody's turn, but not you know their entire turn. It just says the next um, goth that gets drawn can't can't activate for whatever reason, um, or you know like one one of them is um, uh, somebody left an open forty in the alley, and when that card gets pulled, the next crest punk has to 
you know, immediately move towards where that uh, where that beer got left. <laughs> so instead of fighting somebody, they go like, "Oh, free!" You know, and there's free also beer. Yeah, there there's actually a few cards like that. There's a free beer card for the skinheads that you know someone brings someone brings free beer to a party and they hear, hear about it, so they don't want to fight anymore. Um, you know, just stuff like that. The event cards are there to be fun and and chaotic and and not game breaking. Uh, so it, it's funny when you, you say cross punk. I mean, you know, it's kind of understandable. But uh, a music venue that um, I'm a fan of back in Florida, the Green Door Music Hall, they were having a punk show one night, and kind of during the middle of one of the opening acts, all of a sudden, like half the people just disappeared out of the music hall, and it's like, where the hell did they go? And you go and look in the parking lot, and someone had shown up with some beer and was like, here you go, handing people beer. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, that's the kind of thing that I want to happen. Because, I mean, even though you're, you're fighting someone, you know, if someone goes, hey, dude, uh, Dave brought free beer, look, you know, you're going to be like, well, I don't want to fight. I'm going to go drink this free beer and, and <laughs> run away. Um, but then, you know, there's also the event cards um, only affect certain things. Like the free beer card won't work on um, uh, straight-edge uh, models because they're straight-edge. They don't drink. So you can't tempt them away with free beer. Yeah, right. good point, good point. Yeah. I, I was thinking it's like, okay, so the event cards you can kind of pop on anybody, but it makes sense because the straight edge themselves, they wouldn't drink, they wouldn't, they wouldn't yeah, do anything yeah. of the sort. They're, you know, their whole thing is being all natural. Yeah, and, and you know, that, that comes up and, it, and it, it's kind of an exciting, fun thing when you're, in, you know, playing a game against the skinheads because the skinhead leader has both the skinhead and straight edge attributes. So when Sean plays the free beer card, like, well, it doesn't work against the leader because he's straight edge, so he's not going to go drink your beer. So sometimes you think, like, ha-ha, I got the drop on you, but you really don't. Um, or, you know, it, and, and again, the event cards are there just to add flavor and just to be fun. Um, they're not meant to be game-breaking. And um, I, there's, very, there's been very few people that haven't liked the event card mechanic. Uh, most people that haven't liked the event card mechanic are the same people that say, well, how do I play this in a tournament? Yeah, so that, that's, <laughs> I don't see how you could play a game of this nature in a tournament. I mean, everything going on is so chaotic that you can't plan for it. No, no. And, and um, no point, but like, yeah. you, you're not, you're not going to go crazy about it. Yeah, and, and that's the kind of thinking that I'm trying to break of from people like, well, how do I play this in a tournament? Like, you know, tournaments have their place, and people like to play in tournaments. Nothing wrong with tournaments, but you shouldn't play every game like you're playing in a tournament. Uh, Wild in the Streets is a game for people to play to have fun with their friends. And, you know, you set up the table, you, you throw on, you know, whatever your favorite record is, and you, you move some miniatures around and fight each other. It's fun. It's not meant for being serious or, um, or playing tournaments or, or whatever. It's, it's meant just to be fun. So... So yeah, so you know, that's the kind of thing where I have to tell people, and they go like, "Well, how does how does this tournament thing work? How does that work?" You're like, don't don't play tournaments, just play. Just throw your models on the table, play. You only have to paint up, you know, a dozen figures. Right. And you can play. What's well, the same thing like with a gang fight? You're not going to win every one you ever walk into. Yeah, it's yeah. Not going to happen. Yeah, and and with scenarios also. Um, you know, it's not necessarily you have to beat everybody up. Um, scenarios will add things like, well, you know, the uh, the crust punks are going to try to steal beer from 7-Eleven, and your job is to stop them from stealing the beer, whether it's barricading the 7-Eleven or, or beating them up or distracting them somehow. Um, so it's not necessarily just, you know, beat everybody into submission. You can do scenarios and, uh, and have fun. And we we've done a bunch of scenarios which I'm going to start publishing on the uh, in the Facebook group um, that you know it adds adds more fun to the game to do scenarios. Yeah, definitely, especially when we're talking skirmish games. I know I've mentioned it numerous times on other podcasts, but skirmish gaming, especially out of any other type of gaming out there, it really needs scenarios to give it more of that RPG element because it's yeah. not always just about running across the table, kicking each other in the teeth. Yeah, yeah, and you know when you're first learning a game, you know it's it's that's the easiest way to learn, and the most fun is just okay, let's line up and fight each other. Um, but after that, once you've learned the rules and and you like the game, then you're like, okay, well, 
how can we make it more interesting? Let's let's have a scenario. Let's have something. Let's have a, a goal in the game. Um, and we're also working on um, asymmetrical scenarios where not all sides have the same goal. Um, and we're trying to find a way to do that as as hidden goals, so that your goal is to do something, and you don't reveal that you've done it until after you've done it. Right. Um, so that, we're trying to we're trying to work cool. on it. Yeah. So we're trying to work on it. Whether that should be like a, a a card thing where you can you can take you know some cards that have uh, scenario objectives and bring them to the game, so you can say like, okay, everybody bring three scenario objectives, and you might bring you know, uh, kill the other guy's leader, kill the most expensive uh, unit, or, or whatever, you know, or control this section of the board. So that's something that we're playing around with now, trying to find a way to to do that so that you can have something where you just like, okay, you've got a deck of cards of scenarios, and you you can pick three and, and go. Um, and I'm not sure how soon we'll have that done, because we're still still working on that, but I'm hoping... Hoping by the end of the year we'll have that. Nice, nice. So one of the things that you touched on was uh, that there's personalities in the games and there's like typical line troops. So what is the major difference between you know the personalities and line troops outside of the fact that they're probably just tougher? Yeah, there's really not a lot of difference. Um, it's more that they're tougher. Um, but the makeup of your gang depends on who you take as your leader. So if you take a leader who has the crust punk uh, attribute, then your gang members also have to have the crust punk uh, attribute. Um, so that's how you build your gang. Um, but other than that, the leaders basically just have um, extra wounds—they uh, can dodge better, or they can punch better, or throw better, or something. Um, and there's going to be more single personality figures for the gangs um, because it's more fun to have. So, you know, a named person like, oh, this is um, uh, Ben the Skinhead, or this is Bridget the Crust Punk, as opposed to these are just the three Crust Punks. Right. You know? So now, on each of the uh, each of the personality cards, they have, uh, or most of them, I, I think all of them do. That came in the original set. They have, um, like Dave, he has Goth and he has Death Rocker. Yeah, so that means that in, in Dave's gang, um, if he wants to bring people on, they either have to have the goth or death rocker attributes uh, to be in his gang. And so then they can operate. Um, would that end up being the um, they still wouldn't get bonuses from each other, or since they are the same gang, they could still get bonuses? They could still get bonuses. So if you know if both, like if you have two two people attacking and they both have the goth attribute, then they get the bonuses. Um, if you've got one that has death rocker and one that only has goth, then they they won't get the uh, they won't get the bonuses. But most of the things that have two or more attributes uh, in the gang usually have usually have the same. Um, so they'll have something in common like goth. Um, but then you know the death rockers have the death rocker attribute, which means there's ca- event cards that only affect death rockers. Well, there's none in the in the starters that went out with the uh, the Kickstarter, but the, in the future cards that are planned, there's like, uh, is there two? I think there's two cards that are Death Rocker specific. Okay, um, that's cool. Um, so so they can draw from both, and so you um, like you mentioned before, then there's the skinhead, which has the um, straight edge attribute as well. Yeah. So, so that guy could actually be an alternate leader for your for your straight edge gang. If you took Don, um, you could take the the edgeman um, and he could be an alternate leader for your straight edge gang or he can join your straight edge gang as just a, a guy in the gang. Right. Okay. So so I, I I didn't quite understand that then when I was reading the rules. I thought it was you basically chose one side or the other. They could go for either gangs, but they, you know, instead they actually can form the gang from all of those. Correct. Correct. Um, or join, um, or join that gang. So, okay. so you know, if you took the you know the starter uh, the starter gang of straight edge uh, starter straight edge gang, 
Rob was the leader and there's the two edgemen, you can add Don into your gang. Don may not be the leader, but he can definitely come along as a uh, as a follower in your gang. Right, and you know, gives you another named character, like you said. You know, it's yeah. always kind of nice. Yeah, yeah. But then if you know if, if you're playing against if you're playing a two player game, someone could bring a skinhead related card and and play it, and it can affect Don. But it right. wouldn't affect the rest of your things because it has the skinhead attribute. Right, makes sense. Um, so. And when I when I first saw it on Kickstarter and I was looking through the gangs, I'm like, oh, you know, hey, there's all these different gangs. And I got to the skinheads and I'm like, skinheads? Well, that's that's an interesting uh, gang. Of course, the it was a completely different skinhead than I I was uh, first thinking. Yeah, and that's actually pretty interesting uh, because a lot of people, uh, especially people who live in the U.S., think of skinheads as just the jackbooted thug guys who just want to, you know, beat people up and are nasty racists and whatnot. But if you look at the original skinhead culture, it's built up, it's multicultural. You know, it was uh, uh, the kids of Jamaican immigrants, it was uh, British kids and whatnot. And, it was, you know, basically they were kids who liked reggae, uh, rock steady, and that type of music. And dressed in a certain style, like a, a very working class, but still kind of kind of sharp style. Right. And, uh, yeah, the the models are models are great for that. It just, it, it took me by surprise, and then I forget where I did end up, you know, tripping over it, but I did, you know, finally read, and I'm like, oh, makes so much more sense now. Yeah. Because, and- because they also didn't, look like the jackbooted thugs. Well, one of them does. The one who's like most obviously or you know, he's bald and all this. You know, oh, uh, Don Don holding up the the banner. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, holding up the banner and all that. It's like, "Oh, um you know. <laughs> he, yeah. He's good. but the rest of them no." Yeah. Well, you know, Don's got the uh the soccer uh soccer scarf that he's holding up for his favorite team. Um and you know, there was there were the skinheads that that branched off into that soccer who let me get Hooligan stuff. Soccer hooligans. Sorry, I had trouble with that word. Um, you know, and there's and there's those types of, of skinheads. And you know, there's it, it's a pretty varied subculture. I mean, there's there was even you know communist skinheads um, and whatnot. So you know, it's it's a it's a pretty varied subculture. Um, and I want to show that kind of thing because most people are going to go, oh, skinheads. So that's going to be my my gang of you know racist idiots that are just dumb and gonna beat people up. No, it's it's traditional skinheads. In the same way that like you know when you see um, in in a lot of games uh, or any sort of media when you see a punk you see you know someone who doesn't look like anything like someone who is actually you know going to punk shows. You know it's it's that that perception that people have who are out you know outside of that subculture. Right, uh, totally, totally understand it, and I, I, I do. I've been painting up the models slowly. I know I've got a dozen models, and it's been. <laughs> I've only been getting a couple done a week at the lately, um, but uh, it was funny because uh, one of the guys who did the sculpting for you, uh, Lee. Yeah. Uh, um. Yeah. I was I was on a hobby hangout and I, I was painting and of course people were like hey what are you working on and I said uh, wild in the streets and he's like what mini are you painting and, and I held it up and I forget which one it was and he's like hey I sculpted that one yeah yeah he did a lot of the he did a lot of the models um, I worked with three sculptors on this um, uh, with uh, Lee uh, James Van Shake I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. Um, and and Matthew uh, Lavotha, who again, oh, I'm pronouncing his name right. Um, and those three guys have sculpted everything. It's just those three sculptors, and and they've all done a great job. I'm really happy with with everything they've done. Yeah, it's they they are definitely nice models. I um, a lot of little detail. Thanks. And and as I said in the beginning of the show. Um, Every one of those models is either one of my friends or a friend of a friend. Um, so when I when I plan to do models, I call up that friend or friend of a friend and say, "Okay, dude, let's 
let's do some photos, they come over, I go to their house, and they pose, and I take photos of them and from front, back, and both sides, and that's what I send to the sculptors to work with. Makes sense. Yeah. So let's see. We've kind of covered uh, what the train. I'm actually working on train. That was uh, my project this weekend. Was figuring out how to build uh, row houses. Oh yeah, I saw that. Those those looked really good. Thanks. Uh, I actually only managed to get done one, but I I have the process down. Um, I I actually carved each one of those bricks out by hand and. I spent a little while trying to figure out how to do it faster, but I haven't found anything, so... I'll give you a tip on that a little bit later on. <laughs> yeah, and terrain, I think, is, is the biggest thing for people because, you know, people have terrain, but most people who have terrain have, you know, either fantasy-type stuff or sci-fi stuff. So, you know, they'll have hills and trees and rocky outcrops, or they'll have a bunch of ruined buildings or pipes that go nowhere or things like that. Um, not a lot of people have modern terrain, and there's not actually a lot of stuff out there. Um, so I've been uh, basically cobbling stuff together from different uh, manufacturers to build the board that I do demos on. Um, but I found some people who do some laser-cut MDF um, and then a couple of like, small resin things. Uh, and um, so, yeah, so terrain is, is the big thing because most people don't have... Uh, uh, city terrain. Um, and so one of the games we played, we actually made a baseball field. Um, so it was like a half baseball field, half park. Um, so, because that seems like a kind of place where people would fight. You know, when you were, think about back when you were kids where people say like, okay, I'll meet you by the bike rack and we're going to fight at 3 o'clock. You know, <laughs> that's, that's the kind of thing that happened. So, you know, you can imagine, you know, a bunch of like, you know, teenager 20-something guys going like, oh, hey, we're gonna next time we see you at uh, you know local park. We're gonna fight. Right, yes. totally makes sense. Um, actually, a baseball field might be the next thing I make, or at least half a baseball field. So, one of the things I was wondering is: is there going to be a system for improvised weaponry? Because if there's gonna be a fight at the baseball field, somebody's gonna get their hands on bats. Somebody's gonna get their hands on helmets. Somebody's going to get their hands on baseballs. Someone's going to get uh, their hands in the carts that drive across the lawn. No, no. There's, I, I don't want there to be stats for weapons. I just want people to have stats. So everybody's assumed to have something, whether it's a baseball bat or their fists or a broken bottle or, or whatever. Um, and that's just for simplicity reason because I don't want to have people go, oh, wait, did I bring the bat? Okay, so now that means I get plus one to attack. Uh, but then you have, you know, a, a, a catcher's mitt, so maybe you can catch the baseball bat, so now you're minus one to attack. I, I want people just <laughs> to go, I'm fighting, I'm hitting you with whatever. Um, and that's a thing that I think confuses people in the throwing rules, um, because when you throw, you're assumed to have something or you're picking something up to throw at somebody, whether it's a rock, a chunk of cement, a broken bottle, or a non-broken bottle. Um, and... I just want to, I just want people to say, okay, I'm picking something and throwing. Not, okay, well, did I bring something to throw? Do I have enough things to throw? Are there rocks where I'm at? Or, you know, it's just you, you pick something up and throw. And so it's the same thing with fighting. When you're fighting somebody, you're either hitting them with your fists or hitting them with something else. It doesn't, doesn't matter. Um, you know, in real, real world, getting hit with a, a lead pipe will probably hurt a hell of a lot more than getting hit with a fist. But it's a game, so... It's okay to to have that uh, that layer of abstraction. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, I've always talked about that too. When you're when you're dealing with games, like mechanics are always key. And if you want to keep it simple, you definitely don't want to overcomplicate it. But you know, there's always those people that always want more. Yeah, yeah, there there are. Um, and we we are lucky that we're in an era where there's so many games that we can play that you can play a simple game or you can play complex games. So if you really want a super complex game, they exist. Um, if you want a simple, you know, sit down with friends game, those exist too. Um, there's things in the middle. Um, and I don't want to make a game that tries to be everything to everyone. I just want to make a game that 
I want to play and that the people I know want to play. Oh, sure. I mean, that's that's what the key is to it at the end of the day for, you know, a lot of people that get into this. You know, because I've said it before, and, you know, again, hats off to you. Like, anytime you go out of your way to make a game and you're not just like, oh, well, I made a PDF and shared it with my friends. Like, it's a ballsy, ballsy move, especially in today's market. So, you know, it's 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 definitely a good thing that you're doing it. Thanks, thanks. Um, yeah, and I mean, I'm... I, I, and I'm not trying to have like the attitude of like, well, it's my game, so screw you if you don't like it. <laughs> I, I'm just saying like, here's what I got. I, I love simple skirmish games. I love, actually, I love simple games of any kind. That's what I like to play. And and but the truth is, I'll play any game with anybody as long as I like that person. Um, you know, if someone says, hey, I've got this super complex game and we're gonna play it, you know, this weekend. If you invite me, I'll come over and play it. I'll play any game you want. But my preference is, of course, simple games. Because when it when it comes down to it, it's the people you play with. It's not the game. You know, I want to hang out with friends and have fun. And if how if playing games is how we're doing it, then that's how we're going to do it. Exactly. And it always helps if there's beer available. Uh, yeah, but I don't drink, so. Oh well. So beer for everyone else. Yeah. So <laughs> so when I eventually make a model of myself, I'll be in the straight edge gang. Oh well, there you go. Yeah. All right, then. Interesting. So, scenarios. I know that you said you're going to start publishing some on Facebook. Um, what scenarios do you have in the game right now that allows people to kind of break into it and get playing? Uh, there's none that are published, um, but the ones that we play with are um, the crust punks of, are trying to ruin the show by drinking in front of it. Um, so everyone has to stop the crust punks from drinking in front of the show and getting it shut down. Um, the other one is uh, skinheads robbing the 7-Eleven. Uh, well, not really robbing, but like running in to grab beer and run out. Um, and so <laughs> you have to either defend the 7-Eleven or stop them from doing it. Um, and those are, the t- those are the two that we play the most because we're trying to refine them enough to get them written down and say, Here's a, here are the scenarios. Um, but Pretty much every time we play, we just make something up. We go, okay, what, what do you think would happen, you know, with how we built the city like this, or how we uh, built the terrain? Why do you think we're fighting? And then we we go from there, and take notes and and figure out what works and what doesn't. Because the game plays really fast. Um, once you know how the game plays, you can finish a game in, well, if you're using just starters, 30 minutes maybe sometimes, um, sometimes longer. So we tend to play for a couple hours and get a bunch of games in and say, okay, well, this worked, this didn't work, so how can we modify these scenarios? So uh, hopefully I'll have some stuff, some scenarios up next month, maybe the month after. That, And the, again, the scenarios are going to be really simple. It's not going to be you know, super complex stuff. It's just simple scenario uh, just to add some variety to the game. Right. I want to see something where metalheads start a mosh pit around goths dancing because they always like to dance in a corner. Yeah, they, they do that seaweed dance or the uh, the picking up change and showing it to the sky dance. Yes, um, <laughs> just starting a mosh pit around them. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny you say that because the next gang are going to be metalheads. Yes. Uh, that's, that's the next gang. Um, and uh, I I take ideas from people when they present them for, for event cards, and one of the event cards that uh, we've been playtesting is... Um, the dance-off. Um, that's the name for it now. We're obviously going to change it to something good. Um, but basically, your model challenges the other model to a dance-off, so they don't actually get to fight. So when you come into fight, you go, sorry, dude, we're having a dance-off. Um, and that card came about because one of the women that we play with, uh, when we were playing, said, well, why can't my character challenge you to a dance-off instead of fighting you? And I was like, because you're here to fight. And she's like, no, I don't want to fight. I want to have a dance-off. And I was like, huh, that'd be a funny card to do. So, um, so yeah, so that sort of ties into the uh, the uh, metalhead slam dancing and the, the goth dancing. So, yeah, I definitely want to yeah. play that scenario. Yeah. <laughs> right? Dance-off! Yeah. yeah. And then a, that... bunch of, then a bunch of b-boys just jump in, and it's like, okay, now this is just chaotic in its own way. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's one of those cards you want to, like, totally... Totally keep secret and slide into the deck without anyone seeing it, like, turn one. Yeah, yeah. 
And, well, that's the thing with the event cards is you don't tell people what you have and you shuffle them in. So, you know, you hand your, whoever's doing the shuffling that turn, you hand them your cards so they can't see it. And so when it comes up, you know, everybody's surprised, like, oh, someone played the free beer card. Now my skinhead can't react. Or, oh, somebody played the homemade speed card. And now they get, you know, even like just punched you in the face and your model would have went down that turn. Now they don't because their mother made them some homemade speed and now they're uh, they're all jacked up on speed and they can't be knocked down. I do always love that description. Mom was nice to me and made me homemade speed today. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a... Um, a wink and a nod to a Blatz song that I like called Homemade Speed. Ah, I see. Yeah. Uh, references abound. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and there's a lot of that kind of stuff. Like a lot of the a lot of the cards that that didn't make it into the Kickstarter are things like like that that you know reference whether it's a song or a band or something that I like. Um, you know, because it's it's kind of fun when you're playing something. You know, when you're playing with people who, you know, maybe maybe they they go to punk shows or maybe they're you know they were involved in this kid or something, and they go like, oh hey, that's funny because that's a lyric from this negative approach song or or whatever. That's, and and I actually have. Oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> sorry, I was gonna say, uh, you know, that's 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 kind of a, just an awesome touch to any game is you know when when you can feel that you know. Hey, these people actually know these things and like the same things I like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I have this dream um, to make models of people who are in bands that I like. So, you know what, what you know whatever band it is like, like oh, I'd love to do a, uh, you know, obviously I won't be able to get pictures of them, you know, from, from you know the '80s or whatever. Um, from all sides, but maybe from one side, maybe one of the sculptors can work with it. But like, I would love to do, you know, wh- whatever bands that 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 I love, and like, oh, I'd, I'd like to have a model of that person. So as I, you know, as I talk to people who who I want to do that with, or someone introduces me to them, I always bring up like, oh hey, I make this game, and can can I make a model of you? And actually, a band that I really like um, said yes to it. Um, so we're trying to work out what we're going to do. But I'm not telling anybody yet because it may not happen. It's it's about 50% that it'll happen. Um, so so yeah. But and there's other things like if someone goes like oh like for goth things like if someone goes you know what you know what my favorite band was Sisters of Mercy. I loved that band and I think like you know it'd be cool do uh, what's his name uh, Andrew whatever his name is from Sisters of Mercy because you know he had a very distinctive look like let's do a model of that guy that would be so cool or whatever. You know, it, that that kind of stuff. Um, and then there's also things like I would like to be able to put like an entire band in a game. Like, um, I don't, know, I can't think of a band off offhand, but like I would love to be able to say, like, okay, this is a sub faction within the faction. Like, so maybe in the crust punk gangs, uh, there's a sub faction of this entire band, entire band, and you could make your entire gang just around them. Well, so so the band I I immediately thought of wouldn't I don't think fit as. Uh... A sub, you know, culture for any of the existing games, but I mean, Guar. How how can you not have Guar if you're gonna come come with something totally random? <laughs> well, there was. Um, do you remember the Guar miniature game that was around in the '90s? Yes. Uh, so yeah, there were. I think I've seen it, but yeah. So there were Guar miniatures. Um, so I mean, it it did it did exist at one point. There were Guar miniatures. Um, yeah, the rules were put out by. Uh... The guys that make uh, Shock Force, I draw. Yeah, them. yeah, yeah. Yep, same thing. Yeah, Shock Force. Um, yeah. So, um, so yeah. I mean, yeah, that would be that would be a fun thing. So, if anybody knows Guar, uh, tell them to contact me, and we'll make some miniatures of them. Yeah. Now, <laughs> one I definitely want to see is Al Jurgensen from Ministry, because he's going to have a cigarette in one hand and a glass of scotch in the other, and a giant, ridiculous-looking hat. Again, if you know That's him, miniature I want to see. If you know him, introduce me to him, and I'll make a miniature of him. <laughs> oh, holy shit! I just looked on uh, on eBay for uh, Guar miniatures. I'm like, you know what? Let, let me check. There's one ending in two hours. It's got 11 characters. <laughs> it's $51 right now. There you go. That's that's a good price. You should pick those up. They'd be fun to paint. Nice. So right now, how many total miniatures do you have available for people? Uh... 
should know this number off the top of my head. Okay, so uh, each of the gangs has three models in the base gang, so that's um, 15. Uh, four of the gangs have one model each, uh, so that's 19. Uh, 20, 22? 22 sounds right. Sorry, I had to do math in my head there for a minute. Um, I, believe I've, I believe I have 22. Um, I'm pretty sure that's what I have. Awesome, awesome. So you've got gangs that are coming out around the corner um, and personalities that are coming out around the corner. You're trying to keep it to about a monthly release. That's that's the goal, is one, one release a month. Um, and I want to be able to expand gangs or add new gangs whenever, whenever I want. Um, I, I don't want to have army books or or lists or, or a book with everything in it because then I kind of feel limited if you do that. Um, I want to be able to just say, oh, hey, you know, I, I met these, you know, three straight-edge kids, and I thought that they looked like they'd make good models, so I took photos of them, and we made miniatures of them. So now they're the youth crew straight-edge guys. Or, you know, I, uh, I have a friend, and his girlfriend said that she wanted to be a miniature, and she's kind of gothy-looking, so... Now we've got a new goth personality, or or whatever. Um, and also that gives me the option to make things that I don't think would maybe make a good full gang, but would make interesting allies for a gang, or as a chance to see if people would be interested. Because one of the things I'm really interested in doing is cholos, but I want to do like like 60s, 70s style cholos, like you know, like the the um, Pendletons and the you know the, the crease dress pants and the and the big fedoras you know like when you think of like a 1970s cholo like that kind of guy like I want to do that but I don't know how interested people would be in it but if I made that so that they could ally with another gang then I could make two or three models and if people like them then I can expand out or if people don't like them then they can um, you know they could just be allies for something and also. Um, that also gives me uh, the opportunity to say, like, well, the this gang isn't so popular, so maybe if I made something else, people would be interested. And if they're not, then then maybe they don't get uh, they don't get continued in the future. Maybe I don't make any more models for them. Um, but so far, everyone seems to like all the starter gangs. Everyone's pretty happy with uh, with their choices. Yeah, I definitely need to uh, get into it myself a little bit here. Uh, with me moving and everything else, uh, I know Nick was very, very excited to get involved with it, and unfortunately I just wasn't able to at the time. But uh, I would prop more than likely be picking up the goth gang, and once you get the metalheads out, I'll definitely be getting those as well. Because yeah. I'm all about smashing stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm excited to do the, the metalheads. Um, I've, I've done some of the photos so far, um, and... Uh, and I'm really happy with, with the direction that the metalheads are going. And another thing about being able to put out models at any time is, you know, there's all these different sub-factions within, like, the metal scene. So you've got, like, um, like black metal, you've got thrash metal, you've got 80s hair metal, you've got all these things. So you could, you know, you could say, like, hey, I have this idea, let's do a bunch of dudes in tight spandex and big hair. Yes, <laughs> or yeah, or whatever. Uh, you know, right now there's there's nothing like that, but that's you know that's a that's a future idea. Are they gonna have uh, open collared shirts and we can see their chest hair as well? Because that would be hilarious. <laughs> if if I make that kind of you know if I make like an '80s hair metal uh, group, then yes, uh. all the metal ones that I'm doing um, are all uh, well. The initial gang is gonna be black metal, um, so. It's guys in like the like leather sort of like not necessarily armor, but you know like leather armor looking sort of gear with spikes and corpse paint and that kind of stuff. So that's going to be the initial metal game. It's going to be uh, black metal. Nice. And of course, when we start talking, you know, '80s and glam and all that, I, I think of Steel Panther. You, you should try emailing those guys and go, hey, want to be miniatures? Do you just... want to be relevant again? <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, on. you know, I would I would love to do 70s glam rock kind of things. Like, you know, like Mark Boland, David Bowie kind of 70s glam rock. Like, I think those would be great. Um, and maybe they wouldn't fit in the metal gang, um, but I've got to find a place for that kind of thing. Like, 70, or New York Dolls would be even better. Like, that kind of glam rock. Um, but, 
again, uh, these are, you know, I have ideas every day. I'm like, oh, I want to make this miniature. I want to make this miniature. I want to make this miniature. But I need to uh, focus on getting the metalhead guys and then the gang after that, and then I'm going to uh, go crazy in small, small things that could uh, ally with other gangs. You, well, right, I think that's that would make it the most unique is because of the fact that you know you want people to kind of be able to play what they want and no no like uh, subculture just stuck within itself. There was always people from outlying subcultures that kind of joined in or became buddies with somebody and ended up getting mixed up in any type of fights that they had too. Yeah, 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 exactly. Awesome. Well, this is actually uh, coming to about roughly the hour point in the episode. This actually went pretty damn fast. So, Chris, is there anything that you want to say uh, last couple of minutes before we head out? You know, take some time, uh, plug your web, plug your website, plug your Facebook page, all that good stuff. Sure, sure. Um, yeah. So, if people are looking to find more about the game, um, if they go to uh, Facebook, there's a group called Wild in the Streets Game. Um, and it's just people, you know, discussing the game, discussing whatnot. Uh, the website for uh, Slow Death Games is www.slowdeathgames.com, and the web store, if people want to buy the miniatures, is uh, slowdeathgames.bigcartel.com. Um, there's also a link to that on the slowdeathgames.com site. Nice, nice, and I'll definitely make sure that we uh, take the time and put all that up in the episode notes as well, so that way people have it all in one spot. Thanks. Yeah, and uh, for the people who uh, are playing or interested in playing. Um, I always want to hear your ideas for event cards or if people say, like, hey, I'm interested in looking. I want to be a model in your game. Um, or, hey, my friends are interested in looking. Maybe they want to be models in the game. Never hurts to, never hurts to send pictures so I, can, uh, so I can get ideas for miniatures and maybe we can do uh, miniatures of you or your friends. Or if you have ideas for event cards or scenarios, get them, get them published in the game. Yeah, you know, Nick and I could probably do a podcasting gang, but we'd just get our asses beat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, come on. I can I can dig up my uh, my Mohawk pictures. They're not too old. Yeah, I, I actually have an idea for um, for a gamer gang um, that would be war gamers, um, but I'm not sure how I'm going to do it yet, but that's that's an idea. And one of the things that people in, mentioned a lot uh, during the Kickstarter is they want corrupt cops as a gang. Uh, so that's also something we're exploring. We've playtested them a few times, but we haven't really done anything to make them feel like, like they're corrupt cops. They just kind of feel like they're another gang that doesn't really do much except for fight. So, um, so that'll probably, if we do, it'll probably get resolved by having a bunch of event cards that are related to that. Nice. You yeah, know, that would definitely uh, add the flavor to it. You know, and first event card that pops to my head for corrupt cops is, you know, handcuffs. You know, if he manages to, in, you know, do a point of damage or something, he can slap handcuffs on you and you can't activate the next turn or something. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, I'm writing that down, sorry, because uh, <laughs> i got to write down ideas when I, when I think of them. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So, so yeah, um, so people who are playing or interested in playing and playing, I encourage them to um, check out our website, check out the Facebook uh, fan page, and uh, I am pretty active there answering questions, and uh, we've got, if you, oh, and if you're in the San Diego area, we have a group that plays every Sunday night, and uh, we welcome you to come join us. Awesome. Well, Chris, I want to take the time to thank you for coming on, man. It was great talking with you. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was awesome. I'm, I'm so happy to have a chance to talk about the game. Yeah. Excellent. Well, this will definitely wrap up this episode of Skirmish Supremacy. Uh, stay tuned for uh, next week's episode. Uh, I don't think Nick and I have a guest set up yet, but we will very soon. Uh, very soon. Actually, I think we do. I just got to confirm. All right, so Nick's not doing his job. Thanks for listening to another episode of Skirmish Supremacy. To see more of the antics that Nick and I do, you can check us out on Facebook at Skirmish Supremacy. We also have Twitter, which we can be reached at Skirmish Supreme, because apparently Skirmish Supremacy does not fit in Twitter. And if you want to email us directly, you can reach us at Tim at SkirmishSupremacy.com or Nick at SkirmishSupremacy.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>